Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me as always is Mike. How you doing, Mike? Um, I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm doing a lot better than I was before we started our call today because you gave me some updates that the Bills did something and I thought they just lost their running back and didn't do anything. So I'm feeling slightly better that the Bills got their act together and actually did something. Oh, well, I'm always happy to brighten your day, Mike. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I appreciate uh, your clear sarcasm. <laughs> well, we still have a lot of news to go over from uh, from our break, and even more has been happening since we last recorded, so we'll get right into news, and that'll probably be the majority of our episode today. Uh, today's March 22nd, just so everyone has reference on what the most up-to-date news is at this point in time, but uh, we got a lot to get into, so we'll just dive right into it. Let's do it. Um, so the Detroit Lions signed David Montgomery to a three-year, $18 million deal with $11 million of that guaranteed. So he's moved on from from Chicago to, mm-hmm. I believe, a much better offensive line. Yeah, I mean, certainly the Lions had such a better year um, this year running the ball um, than, than the Bears did, which the O-line's obviously a big part of that. Um, now I'm wondering in terms of, I believe, I believe Swift is still there. Yep. So they're probably going to figure the one, they're still trying to do kind of a one-two punch at running back. But who's going to be the one and who's going to be the two? Well, <laughs> it depends who I draft. So if I if I draft Montgomery this year, we know it will be Swift, and if I draft Swift, we know it will be Montgomery. Because you know we all know they wait to see whoever I pick, and that person will not be the starter and probably get injured for the rest of the season. Yeah, so you're just gonna have to announce to all of our listeners who you take. <laughs> I will, I will. If it comes down to it, and I have an option between those two, you know, it's doomed for them. I don't know. Like, I guess, I guess I'm always the person who who looks at the money side and says, oh, you just brought in like the shiny new toy with a big deal. You want to feature that back. But NFL running games over the past couple of years, especially has become so unpredictable that I don't even know who they'll try to, to kind of feature. Like, do you have a sense on, on what they would do? I, I'm kind of along, along the same lines of thinking as you with um they signed him to a three-year deal with over half of it guaranteed, which seems to suggest that they're investing in him and that they're going to use him. And Swift is on the final year of his rookie contract. So after after this upcoming season, like they could just be done with him in part ways, right? Yeah, it's true. Uh, and so I think if they were more going along the lines of, okay, between these two guys, let's see who we want to have after next season or after this upcoming season, then they would have just done a one-year deal with them. Um, and then both of them would have been eligible to leave afterwards and they could keep who they wanted at that point, but they didn't do that. Now. I also don't think they probably couldn't have gotten David Montgomery for a one-year deal. I think he probably knows that he's worth more than that. So yeah, 
maybe that was just the cheapest they could get him at. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I think regardless of who gets featured because of the way that offense is, I feel like just like last year, you're in a pretty good shape to have both of these running backs make an impact, even on your fantasy team. Like I probably, I don't know, when there's a dual situation, you are taking a certain amount of risk. But as your like third running back option or someone to flex off the bench, I feel like you're still pretty safe to go with either of these two guys because Detroit's going to use their running game. Like that's that's kind of what they build, they they've been built on, and that's what you know they found so much success for this past year. So, I, I mean, Montgomery gets the big amount of money. I think he's going to be featured. I still, with how well Swift can play and when they use him, how effective he is, I would still draft him. Like I would still be looking at him as an option because he's a touchdown maker. Yeah, he is. Um... I, th- I think part of it's going to come down to how they use him. Um, because, like, if you look at just this past season, Jamal Williams, he had 17 touchdowns. But if you actually go back and look at his, um, like, the the yards gained on those touchdowns, I, I believe it was, like, something like three quarters of them were less than three yards. It was all just like goal line carries, basically. So that seems to be a pretty valuable role with the Detroit offense. And I mean, some of that comes down with luck, too, right? You know, if if the receiver gets dragged down on the two-yard line, well, like an extra two yards, and then there was no rushing touchdown, right? Yeah. So so, some of that really can't be predicted, and there's no guarantee that they're going to have anywhere near that many goal line carries this year. But I think we've seen that the Detroit offense was starting to gain some steam over the course of the season. And uh, Montgomery and Swift both have the ability to to run hard mm-hmm. and, and do well. And especially that we saw with Montgomery behind a terrible Bears offensive line. Like he still was <laughs> able to, to do well, right? Yeah. So with an improved offensive line, he should be able to do even better. If you can do that well, like you're saying, on a team that's offensive line is not as strong, then, yeah, you, you have to have some confidence that he's going to move on um, to a team where they're going to use him. And and Detroit's just a team on the rise, too. Like, they're, yep. y- yes, they might not have as many, you know, goal line chances, but it's possible their offense also improves in certain other ways. And the running game comes, becomes a bit more efficient, and he could become a part of that because they're they're probably just going to keep getting better. Um, and with Jared Goff, I believe he's still going to be their quarterback. But with if you've got Jared Goff, you're probably running the ball a lot. Like you have to be. He, he's okay, but he's not. You know, he's not running good. No, he's just sort no. of like you know, hand it off and then be efficient with a couple crazy plays. Make us all be like, wow, Jared Goff, we've got he could play, but just do just enough to to keep your job. That's what Goff does. Yeah, exactly. Sort of yeah. like my work ethic. <laughs> just, just enough to not get replaced to not get replaced <laughs> <laughs> i kid i kid <clears throat> awkward <laughs> um yeah i think montgomery or swift I, th- I think they'll both be valuable but which one ends up being more of the rb1 and, and rb2 for your fantasy team i i don't think we're gonna probably know until the first or second games of the season until we kind of get to see how they actually utilize them. 
Yeah, um, and who knows how much that can change and fluctuate too throughout the year. Oh, well, exactly. I mean, like we saw that last year with Miami, right? With uh, Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds. Um, between weeks one and three, like every game was something different. And now Swift also has a history of injuries, so that's something else you got to keep in mind. I mean, it's not a guarantee that he's going to get hurt at some point this year, but uh, unless Mike drafts him, but uh, yeah, and then he'll be he'll be done for the season. Well, exactly, yeah, but that is something like he has shown he is more susceptible to injuries than other running backs, so something else to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, um, but Jamal Williams, the previous Detroit running back who we just mentioned had 17 touchdowns last year. He is now signed to a three year, $12 million deal with the saints. Saints are certainly changing up that offense. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it poses an interesting fantasy dilemma because Alvin Kamara is still there Mm -hmm. and who, like what role are each of them going to have? And what further complicates things is Alvin Kamara is, more than likely going to be suspended at some point this season, um, yeah, whether it's so. four games, six games, whatever it ends up being. I would say that's mm-hmm. that that's certainly the more likely scenario is that there's going to be a suspension because of uh, his uh, criminal trial. And unfortunately, we don't know how that's going to play out. We won't know until closer to the preseason, I believe. Um, but odds are, if you have Alvin Kamara on your team, you're going to be missing some games, and that's probably going to be where Jamal... Williams is the only running back for the Saints, or at least the only main one. So he could be in a position where he starts the season hot, and then Kamara comes back, and they both just vulture each other, and neither of them are really worth much. Or Kamara comes back and takes his job back as the number one, and then Williams is worth nothing. Who knows? I mean, we didn't see very much of fantasy value from Kamara uh, last season. Like, I know... We talked about it before, but I made a uh, trade deadline deal to get Kamara because of his playoff schedule. And ultimately, like I think he had one okay game, despite I think all of them being excellent matchups for running backs. So it's it's possible that the Saints are just looking to the future and they don't really feel that Kamara is going to be a part of that much longer. Yeah, um, It could just be they wanted to make sure that they had a really good running back for while they're dealing with whatever that suspension ends up being because... Like, like we've seen, there have been some pretty hefty punishments issued for obviously for very different circumstances with uh, Deshaun Watson and with Kelvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they're just erring on the side of caution that, you know, like they're preparing for worst case scenario where for a majority of the season they don't have Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I'd imagine that's what they're doing. I mean, it doesn't hurt in the NFL to have those two running backs like we've seen teams have a lot of success having having the two anyway but i think that's probably exactly what they're planning for and it's interesting i almost would feel slightly more comfortable drafting the two we just talked about out of detroit before drafting either of these guys from the saints just only because i don't i'm looking at the saints being like i have no idea how they're going to be this year like it's it's they're making changes they want to change up their team they're putting in a lot and changes can can be huge when you change your quarterback when you change up a running back they can be big or it can fall flat on your face um and it can make no difference so i'm i'm just very wary of the Saints right now. That that opinion could change though, one with the rest of the offseason, but also into the preseason 
But right now, I'm very cautious for all the points you just brought up because that uncertainty would scare me. Um, I, I have enough uncertainty in the league without adding criminal charges into it. When is the player going to come back? How long is that suspension going to be? Right? I mean, we saw it with major players last year. What are they going to be like when they come back? Yeah, um, we saw that with Sean Watson when he came back. He was like a shadow of his former self. Like it wasn't even close. Yep. And uh, now that was for he. W- he didn't play the year before that, did he? I, I uh, honestly he sat can't. out. Part yeah, of it, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, th- so there was a bit of an extra delay there, but the the point still stands. You know, like it's hard to go from doing nothing to right back into NFL uh, NFL level of competition, right? It is, yeah, and it makes sense. Like what the Saints are doing makes total sense for that being in that position, thinking we don't know what this situation is going to be like. So we've got to get we got to get this running back um, who clearly has proven, like Jamal Williams had a great year, and he's clearly proven he's good. I mean, again, I don't know how the Saints are going to be versus um, that Lions offense that's improving every year, um, but the Saints have a new quarterback. The Saints have um, a new running back, and maybe that's going to make a difference. Yeah, I, I think we could probably expect a, a touchdown regression from Jamal Williams. I don't think he'll have 17 touchdowns again, because like I said, he just had so many of those goal line opportunities. Um, I don't think we're going to see that with the Saints. But I think you could probably, because of all that uncertainty, you might be able to get either Williams or Kamara at a pretty heavy discount in your draft or uh, through a trade like at the start of the season mm-hmm. be- because of all that uncertainty and you know like if if Kamara's fallen to like the fourth fifth sixth round I mean that's like a pretty good bet right oh I mean, yeah absolutely I mean if because if he does come back and he's able to even put up anywhere near what we're used to seeing with Kamara and you get him in the fifth round like that could be a league winning draft pick really uh, depending on who you had before him in the draft. So something like don't just write them off because of all the uncertainty, but keep an eye at what the value is versus the risk, you know, like like anything, like if you're looking at a stock in the stock market, you know, what's the risk to yourself versus what's the potential reward, right? Um, keep, keep a look at it that way. And ultimately, uh, oh, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was just going to say, so you're saying kind of fifth round-ish, might when you would start thinking about him like is that kind of what you're you're thinking around then well like for, for the nfl or for fantasy drafts rounds four through six roughly are kind of like a a no-go for fantasy running backs usually because it's usually guys that you don't want mm-hmm. um and that's when you want to start stocking up on wide receivers because there's a lot more wide receivers who can get you consistent points than uh, yes. running backs so yeah that if, if you could get a potential elite running back in that area, I would say then it's worth taking the risk, but it's not worth risking Alan Kamara in one of your first three, maybe even the fourth, four, first four rounds of picks, because then you're missing out on what you know to be an elite talent. Um, See, I was going to say, risk. like I was going to say after the sixth round, just because... I would be looking at it as, okay, I want like a core six players that I can really build my team around. 
and then start taking those risks. Now, again, in a lot of leagues, especially if you have people who like know the name, he's probably gone by that point. But I would take it as a bit of a sign if I'm if I've picked six players that I'm kind of happy with and I've got a core and I'm in the, to round seven and he's there and available. I might jump on him in that at that point, being like I've got players that I can work with. I just I don't know. In round five, I've only got four players. I don't know if I'm com- I don't know if I'd be comfortable enough just because just because I don't know how long he's going to be out yet. All this could change. If he's if he's suspended for a handful of games, my opinion's different than if if they're going to take him to task for twelve or fifteen, right? Which we've seen happen with some of these players where they sit out a year, they're gone for twelve. Like it all depends upon what's going on with the trial, how the NFL reacts to it. Like all, there's so many unknowns because they don't have consistency here. Some players get suspended for a game for something versus some players are told they can't play for the whole year until they get their their criminal situation worked out. He's a star. He's going to get the star treatment. But I just, I would want some clarity before drafting him any higher. That's just kind of where I stand on him. Yeah, I don't think he would make it that far, unfortunately. I think he will go in that four, five, maybe six, depending on like your home league. Um how your league i guess looks at it i I don't i think six would be like if he's there at that point whoever has the next pick should be taking him you know what i mean because you're not going to get much better value than that even (laughs) even if he ends up missing six games because yeah i think um, his name recognition alone is going to get him moved earlier um even even if people know his his situation the name recognition matters again it all depends upon who's in your home league in a league like ours where it's a mix of casual football fans and and hardcore football fans, I think he there's no chance he's around till till round six because the casual football fan will know his name, yeah, and we'll try to draft him. Yeah, I'm just looking at some early consensus rankings for him for the upcoming season, and it looks like he's in a 12 man league. He would be going around the end of the. Uh, End of the fourth round, start of the fifth round. So yeah, so right where you're kind of thinking. Yeah, so I would say that's probably where he's going to end up, and and now that'll change as we do get news on his trial, obviously. Um, but at the end of the day, the the NFC South is just a dumpster fire right now, um, with the uh, Falcons, the and the Saints and the Buccaneers all just kind of. Like, who knows what any of them are going to look like this year. Uh, the Panthers, to me, seem to be the the clear front runner in that division. So that's another risk that you take with any of the players on that on those teams is that they might not be very – they might not be winning teams this year. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fair. Um, but speaking of the Panthers, uh, the Panthers signed running back Miles Sanders from the Eagles – and there was a report that came out from the new Panthers head coach, Frank Reich, that he views Miles Sanders as a three down back. Hmm. Um, so like we spoke about before, um, all of this means absolutely nothing until we actually see it on the field. Coaches are always going to upsell everybody and everything and hide things from you and try to confuse their opponents. So 
I mean, yes, it is a, a nice early indicator that Miles Sanders could finally have that three down role and actually because he's a very good running back. Um, his opportunities were just kind of wasted in Philadelphia because of who they have in a quarterback with Jalen Hurts and his rushing ability. Um, but until we actually see it in the preseason and get a feel of what their full depth chart looks like, um, it, it's just just words. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and I mean the Panthers are a team in transition here. I mean they're they they traded up for the first pick. Yeah, and I would I imagine they're going to take a quarterback with that. Yeah, so they're going to have a, a rookie quarterback. Yep. If Miles Sanders is kind of a third down back, and they're going to be working in other running backs, and they're going to be trying. Oh to no, no, not in. not a third down running back, a three down running back. So first, second, oh. and third down. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought you were saying only used in third down situations. Gotcha. No. Yeah. Okay. I misunderstood. So that makes way more sense. I'm like, oh, okay. You're going to actually use him. <laughs> yeah. So point. they're looking at using him as the guy for everything. Okay. Okay. Which um, also makes me nervous. As nervous as just using him in third down situations. Okay. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> for different reasons though. But yes. Okay. Now I'm more. Yeah. It's out. Anyone who's used in a three-down role, um, obviously there's huge potential fantasy value there because they're going to have the ball so many times. But mm-hmm. with the increased workload comes the increased chance of injury, um, yeah. which we which we see all the time. Like Jonathan Taylor, Damian Pierce uh, last season, um, Rashad Penny, you know, like all these guys who were getting the ball a lot, they all get injured. And sometimes you get lucky, like Christian McCaffrey this past season, he was in that role. He survived last season, but he didn't survive the two seasons before that. So that is always a gamble. Again, high risk, high reward. Um, but for Miles Sanders, he'll be behind one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. Uh, like, look how well Dante Foreman did in certain games last year. Uh, how well Christian McCaffrey was doing beforehand, even though the rest of the team around him was a mess. Um, and where they are probably going to have a rookie quarterback um, with their first round pick they're probably going to look at running the ball a lot more until, and Mm -hmm. kind of let the, take some of the edge off of the quarterback, you know, let him develop at a more comfortable pace rather than like, Oh, sorry, you're all we got. So start throwing. Um, They also got rid of their, uh, their best wide receiver in DJ Moore in acquiring that first overall pick. So they're really strapped for weapons outside of, uh, outside of Miles Sanders at this point unless their rookie quarterback can hit the ground running. Um, what, where do you then stand on taking the risk with injury being there on looking at, at someone like Miles Sanders and saying, okay, his value is now, in, like would you be saying, his value is now increased in draft because we know he's going to get a lot of work at the beginning. And yes, injuries may happen, but if the workload is high, the point value, like you just said, is potentially there. So are you bumping him up the list oh, ab- a bit? Absolutely. Uh, especially considering from last year, because last year he was attached to a very strong offense. But as we saw, Jalen Hurts vultures almost all the goal line work, right? And he was losing uh, some of those valuable carries to other running backs. And he wasn't really involved in third down very much. Like he, It was a great situation to be in if Jalen Hurts was a pocket passer, because then they could have used him like crazy. But because of how their offense just operates with the run pass options and 
relying on Hertz's ability to throw and run and keep the defense on their toes, he wasn't being used. But now you're putting him in a position where, at least as everything stands right now, um, and again, we're still in March here, he is going to be a focal point of their offense. So his value goes up and because you can't, you just have to, you have to understand and basically just prepare that there's a chance that he's going to get injured and it could be a minor one. It could be a major one. It could just be, he gets worn down over the season. So that's not something that you should be saying, Oh, well, because of that, I don't want the high fantasy output that he's going to give me until that point. You just got to prepare for it. You know, Um, you got to pick up his backup or you got to get a couple other guys who they're good enough that if he does go down, you have a competent backup on your fantasy team, but maybe they're not good enough to be a, a regular starter for you. You know what I mean? Um, but anyone who's in that third down role, is, especially if you're playing in a standard league, that's a very valuable position to have. And you want those guys because it doesn't matter if he's coming off the field for third down or fourth down when they're passing to the running back because you're not getting those extra points for the receptions in a, like you are in a PPR league, right? That's why Damian Pierce was so valuable in a standard league last year because they weren't really throwing him the ball that much, especially at the start of the season, but he was just running nonstop. So he's getting you all those points. So I would say Miles Sanders, as things stand right now, his his value is going to go up, especially because of what we've seen with the Carolina offensive line. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but also speaking about the Panthers, they signed tight end Hayden Hurst to a three-year deal. Uh, so Hayden Hurst was on the uh, the Bengals, and now he'll be with them. I don't really think that's. I don't think that's going to really change much for his fantasy value. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't winning you matches last year, getting passes from Joe Burrow and a pretty elite Bengals offense. So I don't really see that changing, unless for whatever reason he becomes hyper targeted by whatever quarterback they draft. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't and think I mean, that moves the needle much. I mean, it's it's very possible that that scenario could end up happening if they have no good wide receivers, because uh, right now they don't. But I'm assuming that they're going to try to find a wide receiver in the draft or a free agent. Some, they're going to try to do something to get another weapon in there and not rely on Hayden Hurst as their tight end and number one pass catcher. Um, maybe if they brought in like a bigger name, like if Darren Waller had gone there, then I would say, okay, that's pretty interesting. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we're going to get much of a read on Hayden Hurst, unfortunately, until we see what other moves they make and we start approaching the preseason. Um, the Buccaneers, still in the NFC South here, they have released Leonard Fournette, uh, which would be a very big increase to Rashad White's fantasy value, assuming Rashad White ends up being their main guy because they also signed Chase Edmonds. So. <laughs> yeah, so that I don't know if that will really help White at all because I, you're back to, okay, well, Edmonds is going to come in and probably just replace Fournette. Well, it all depends on how they use him because if, if they try to replicate what Miami tried to do with Chase Edmonds, um, maybe he pulls it off and now he's the guy, but there's also just as likely a chance that he fails again. Um, so they might look to have Rashad White as the Leonard Fournette role and then just use Chase Edmonds as the pass catching back, which he has showed us in Arizona. He's very good at and very comfortable at. He just doesn't have what it takes to be the main guy. So hmm. Rashad... 
I guess the way that I look at it would be that Rashad White moves into that Leonard Fournette main running and sometimes gets passing work role. And Chase Edmonds comes in as the just pass catching, you know, just screens, quick passes, see what you can do kind of a role. Um, There's a very good chance I'm wrong on that. And who knows what they're going to do, but that's how I'm looking at it. So I still see it as a pretty good increase to Rashad White's fantasy value. And Chase Edmonds would just be someone you take in one of your last rounds or pick up on the waiver wire as a, a backup in case Rashad White goes down, unless we hear something different by the time the preseason's rolling around. Yep. Um, Chase Evans' former teammates, uh, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, both made deals with the Dolphins to stay on the team. So it looks like they're going to be continuing whatever they're doing in the backfield there. Uh, probably some sort of running back by committee between the two of them. I would say Raheem Mostert probably has the better deal or the better chance to be the more efficient, more used running back for them. But we'll see. Um, after last season, I think it's hard to have a lot of faith in what the in the Miami backfield because they don't really use anyone that uh, I guess that much. So we'll we'll see how that pans out. But if if I was going to take one of those two, I, I would go with Raheem Mostert personally. Yeah, I think. I think it's just another scenario of Miami hasn't been super focused on just one back. They've, they have done that running back by committee. They've worked in several people last year. So yeah, I think that's, that's definitely a toss up between them. Um, Again, I, I would be looking at it very similar of pro, you know, if you need a late pick and you're looking for another running back, you want someone to come off the bench every once in a while, I would agree with you. Like, most cert would be the one I would take over over Jeff Wilson. Um, at least you you know you think okay he might get a few more opportunities, might get some red zone time. So hopefully that 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 would help you out. But yeah, I think that that that's a good point about the Dolphins with with Tua's health being unknown as well. I don't know how much they're going to shift if they're going to just go with the same like we we want to work our offense. They got two great receivers. They know that they, they can pass well when Tua's healthy. His health might impact things. You might see a more active running game if his health becomes in question. Yeah, I, I think they have to change something just to try to protect Tua. Because um, if he keeps taking shots the way that he does, we're going to see a repeat of last year, and it's not going to go it's not going to go well because every time that he takes another concussion from now on, that increases mm-hmm. the chance that he's done, right? What can, um, what can they do, though? I mean, they can re-up their offensive line. Like, they can try to upgrade there. But otherwise, you got to tell him to get rid of the ball. Like, he's one of those quarterbacks that doesn't want to get rid of the ball. Well, he yeah. With it. He wants to make plays with his legs. There's that. Yeah, he does need to get rid of the ball. Uh, so that's something that they need to work on with him. Um, but... They also do need to help him out with that protection, right? Um, he has the elite pass-catching options with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, so it's not like he's running around because he doesn't have anyone to throw the ball to. It's just they need to give him enough time to, to be able to throw to one of those guys. And what we saw last year and what it looks like we're going to probably see this year, unfortunately, is that uh, opposing teams know that they don't have a good running game. They don't have like that Christian McCaffrey... Jonathan Taylor person who they need to always have somebody keep 
an eye on and keep contained, uh, which helps open up the passing game because they have to respect your running game, right? Uh, we never saw that last year, so teams could always kind of ease off on defending the run game, focus on defending the pass, which then leads to Tua running around, Tua getting hit a lot more, and then Tua getting injured. So that's something they need to be able to establish that run game and help buy him time. And part of that, I guess for both sides of it, giving him time and establishing the run game comes down to making sure your offensive line is good enough to do that. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys have released Ezekiel Elliott, but they're marking him as a June 1st cut for cap room. So mm. if, if I understand that correctly, he is officially released from them, but in terms of the paperwork side of things, they're cutting him June 1st. Yeah. And basically it, it won't go through legally till June 1st. So that's when he can start talking to other teams and there's clearly a cap implication for that. There's probably some sort of bonus or some sort of reason that by releasing them around there within the structure of the contract means that they either get some more cap relief from it um, and it makes it easier to like move on from him. So it, it probably means he can't, he, I mean, <laughs> you know how the NFL works. People, he'll be talking to people, but nothing oh, yeah. could become official till June 1st. And then he could sign wherever he yeah, I, I do remember reading that it, it saved them cap room or, or their cap hit for this upcoming season by doing that. Um, Someone's going to pick him up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, there's no way he's he's not playing next year. Someone's going to pick him up. Someone. Hey, maybe Miami will. And uh, he, can, he can be that. <laughs> Every <crap>. running back <laughs> is going to go to Miami. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, well, just, I mean, that frankly, what it, that's what it looked like they did last year. So I mean, True. But frankly, like, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott, despite the problems he's had, I mean, he had a decent year this year and i think he's somebody who in in my view if you have him he's going to be a pretty consistent part of your offense and frankly that might be something that miami does need to keep pressure off to uh, establish more of a strong running game obviously he, he's probably not going to go there he's going to go to a team that just needs a running back but this is interesting to me because his value for me could be pretty good if he lands somewhere where they can use him well. Um, obviously, Miami has other things going on, but I'm I'm curious about this. He's had his ups and downs, but this is a talented running back. Um, they're obviously going with Tony Pollard now, and that's why they want to make room and they need the money. But I I'm really curious as to where he's going to land because that might make a difference for me whether or not I draft. Yeah, uh, I I do think he will go somewhere, and odds are he will probably be the guy wherever he goes. It's just a matter of, of where and what that offense looks like, right? Yeah. Um, but you're right. The uh, Cowboys are sticking with Tony Pollard. They franchise tagged him for this year because they're still trying to sort out some sort of a long-term deal with him. So it seems pretty clear that they've got... Uh, they've got him in, in their mind as the guy moving forward. I mean, after the year he had, I could get, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they've just recently signed Ronald Jones to a one-year deal with them as well, and I think that's more just as an insurance policy because um, Tony Pollard does have the leg injury still. I believe, from what I, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe he's expected to be ready for the season, so they're not expecting him to miss any time, but it's always better to err on the side of caution in the NFL. Um, 
and just have someone who can at least tidy over for whatever amount of time that Tony Pollard could potentially miss if he misses any at all. And Ronald Jones, I think we have now seen over the over the past few years, he is an excellent running back, but he is never going to be the, the guy again. So I don't think that's much of a that that shouldn't impact your look on uh, Tony Pollard's fantasy value. Yeah, and uh, as long as he's looking to be uh, healthy to start the season, then I could see him going easily in the first two rounds of a draft. Definitely, yeah. Because they're going to use him the way that they used Zeke. And we now know from this past season that he has the ability to do it. Uh, Kenny Galladay was released by the Giants and saves them $6.7 million by getting the boot. So he uh, that was probably one of the worst signings I think the Giants have ever made was Kenny Galladay. And the amount of money uh, yeah. they paid him. <laughs> that was a lot of money. And boy, did the Giants need that money freed up because they had big ticket players to get signed uh, this year. But yeah, that, well, that did not work out for them. No, no, it was uh, a huge swing and a miss. Like, you know, they probably, if they hadn't paid him as much money as they did, people probably wouldn't care as much, but it was such a blockbuster deal that like (laughs) for, for what you got out of him, like, it's just, it's comical how much you paid him like per reception, basically. It's it's just terrible, terrible financial stuff. But they've they've moved on from him. They they saved six million. They're they're moving forward. They've got Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley back. They've got Darren Waller. We'll see how it goes. Uh, the Patriots have been making quite a few moves so far in the offseason that have all been a little interesting. Uh, so they signed wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster to a three-year, $33 million deal. They signed running back James Robinson to a two-year deal, and they just signed tight end Mike Kosicki to a one-year deal. Hmm. So we're going to break those down, I guess, piece by piece, because the Juju one is obviously the one with the most money and t- timeline involved. Yeah. And the Patriots don't have... They have a bunch of average NFL wide receivers in the receiving core. And I don't know if Juju is going to change that. Yeah. You know, because um, he did good, not great in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. You know, like we talked about Patrick Mahomes didn't really have anyone to throw the ball to, so he threw it to everyone. Mm-hmm. That would have been a great time. Like if Juju was going to be the guy, that would have been a great way for him to separate himself and prove that he could take over like that Tyreek Hill role. Not that he's yeah. the same as Tyreek Hill, but at least fill that void in their offense. At least more of an impact than your part. You're one of kind of the, the guys that are here, especially with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like he was good. Like, as you said, good, not great, which is a good way to describe him with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So that that's got to tell you something right there. Yeah. And now I think he's going to be, better than anyone that the wide, that the Patriots have. I mean, obviously this is pre-draft and the offseason is still ongoing, but as it stands right now, I think he's going to do fine and he will probably be the wide receiver one, but Mac Jones is not Patrick Mahomes and the Patriots are famous for, you never know what they're going to do each week. There's never any consistency because they change, Bill Belichick changes the, changes the game plan depending on the opponent, the, the weather, everything. And he plays to whatever the other team's weakness is. So one week that might be Juju and he goes off and then he might not 
get more than two targets for the next three weeks. Like we we're not going to know, unfortunately. And that's always the downside of drafting a Patriots player is because Bill Belichick plays such smart NFL football, and that doesn't always line up with fantasy football. Fantasy football, you want those guys who okay, we know each week they're throwing the ball to this guy like six yeah. seven times. Yeah. And then you're Which good he, to go. He could care less about. He doesn't care about your fantasy team. Bill Belichick does not care <laughs> no. at all about your fantasy team. He wants to win games. That's all he wants, right? Like he exactly. just wants to win some games. He, he doesn't care how he wins them. He would if he won three nothing every single game, he'd be fine. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Like Bill Belichick's the kind of guy who thinks that who like focuses on long snappers and punters as like key positions for your football team. He could care less about your fantasy team and who you consider a key position to be. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, running back James Robinson. So he comes in, and that unfortunately kind of muddies the waters a bit in terms of the Patriots' backfield because, like we just said, you never know what to expect with the Patriots. And that has been true with the running back, uh, with the Patriots' backfield for years now. You never know who's going to be the guy, what they're going to do, because each week it's something different's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as it stands that they're probably going to look to have uh, Ramondre Stevenson as the number one guy and Robinson as number two, but that could be a week to weeks game script by game script changing roll of the dice. So both guys we know uh, from, uh, from the past have the ability to provide you with huge fantasy value, but unfortunately the way that the Patriots backfield works, there's just as good of a chance that they eat into each other and both just do average. So we'll see how that goes. And Mike Kosicki, a one-year deal. I don't know if that really means anything for fantasy because Mike Kosicki didn't do very much uh, with Tua and Hunter Henry's still on the team. And that seems to be the the guy that they uh, lean on. They took Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith has now been, I traded away, actually. I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, Hunter Henry became the guy, so I don't know that Mike Kosicki's going to come in and really upset the natural order of things. They might just use him uh, for blocking and for random plays, so I don't really think he's worth focusing on unless we hear something different or see something different. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because, you know, these are three named players who, you know, have had starting positions in the league or fought for starting positions being brought in by the Patriots. They're changing up their offense here. But to me, like, you bring in a good point where Hunter Henry's already kind of established in that spot. And even though I think they've got a quarterback that – I think is built to use the tight ends. I just don't know if you're going to really see a decrease in Hunter Henry's playing time and opportunities and throws. And like he, he's just someone who's gonna he's gonna be there. He's gonna be used. They've already proven that there's a relationship built there. I don't know if he really moves the needle at all. Um, it's an interesting move, and we'll see what happens. But the Patriots have made a lot of these little deals, being like, okay. One running back, replace him with this guy. Lose a wide receiver, replace him with this guy. Lose a tight end, replace him with this guy. And we'll see what happens. But is it going to make a big difference? It's it's hard to say. Um, and I'm not I'm not looking at the Patriots' offense being a big fantasy draw. No, no. And unfortunately, they since the Tom Brady years, they, they haven't really been. But even then, Tom Brady was really the guy. Um, I guess Randy Moss back when he was there too. 
but the Patriots are a very hard team to rely on for fantasy because of how Bill Belichick runs the team. So it's one of those things that like they're great waiver wire players because if you know, let's say like a team is really bad against running back or wide receivers, you know, Bill Belichick's going to exploit that. So if you need somebody for this coming week, pick one of them up, plug them in, he'll do good for you. But then you're probably going to have to move on after that week, unfortunately. Uh, but the Patriots did trade away John Smith to the Falcons uh, in exchange for a seventh round pick. So I don't think John Smith is going to come in and really disrupt Kyle Pitts all that much. But Kyle Pitts had a terrible year because they didn't really have a quarterback. So who really knows what that situation is going to look like in uh, Atlanta? Like I said before, the entire NFC South outside of the Panthers is just a bit of a dumpster fire. So proceed with caution there. Um, the Vikings released Adam Thielen, who then signed with the Panthers. So he has the potential to be their top receiver. But how much does Adam Thielen have left in the tank? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. We didn't see much know. of him this year, right? <laughs> yeah, he didn't, he didn't seem like himself um, in a pretty good offense that obviously had other weapons. He was utilized here and there, but um, is is he is he going to be able to, with maybe more attention, with maybe more opportunities, come come back to it, or is he just on the decline down? And he's you know, right now I look at him as if I had an offense that wasn't for fantasy, just like a football team. I want him as like a three receiver, where I've got my other two, but I I've got kind of like um what Boyd does in yep. in for the yep. Bengals. A veteran who I can trust, who I can throw in there when I need them. And Boyd gets some decent numbers, but you're not drafting Boyd in fantasy over Higgins or or um, Chase. Chase? Yes. Yeah, Jamar Chase, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm surprised I can remember everyone's names, honestly. Um, so, <laughs> I, I to me, Thielen's that guy. Where I, if I had, a, on, a, on a competitive team, with two fantastic wide receivers and he's your third, oh boy, are you feeling good about that team and their chances to make a playoff run? I still don't know if you take a risk on him for fantasy though. Yeah, like there is a path for fantasy success for Adam Thielen because like I said, he could very well be their number one guy and a rookie quarterback is going, rookie quarterbacks tend to hyper-target guys that they build chemistry with and he's going to be a veteran. He's going to be 33 years old by the time the season starts. Uh, so that there is that path down the line and you could get him for a steal in fantasy drafts, but there's just as likely a scenario where we see more of last year from him and he doesn't do very much other than score touchdown here or there. So yeah, that's going to be, I guess, more of a, what you believe about Adam Thielen, because all we heard last off season was he still got it in the tank. You know, he's still going to do fine. And I, I can admit, like, I firmly believe that he would do good he was looking good everything would still work out you know teams had to respect Justin Jefferson it should have opened up more opportunities for him didn't work out that way because they ended up taking TJ Hawkinson and he he basically took over Adam Thielen's role as the number two target in that offense so unfortunately it remains to be seen and you kind of just have to do a little bit of a gut check and see how you uh how you want to proceed with him yeah Uh, and to be clear uh, because when we get more into rankings and looking at this season, right now I'm still, I would still look at Boyd 
and and want him over Thielen, but I think it's a good comparison. I actually think it might have been my best take of the year. That might be my best take. Let's let's note that for later, Josh. My may possibly my best take of the year. All right, sounds good. You write that down. <laughs> oh, I've got it. Perfect. Don't worry about that. All right. Um, so we, we've already talked about it, but the Bears traded the first overall pick to the Panthers in exchange for DJ Moore. Uh, so that we knew they were trading that pick. We saw yep, that coming. I I called it almost perfectly. I didn't you expect that they would. Also, get like it. pretty early too. <laughs> like yeah, almost it, the minute the Bears were going to get number one, you were like, "They're trading it." Yeah, because it just made sense, you know. Like if yeah. if Justin Fields was a bum and it wasn't working out, then absolutely pick up a quarterback and let's roll. But Justin Fields was great this season, so I would like it would have been a terrible decision for them to keep it and waste it when they had so many other problems. Um, I Especially didn't expect when they a player. Can get a, they they can get an impact player later in the draft. Like they don't they don't yeah. have to worry about that. They're going to get someone good. They oh, exactly. Down and they got a receiver out of it. So no, you're you're absolutely right. I just it's so interesting to me that the minute that I, most people were saying, like the minute like they're not picking. They're, they're going to trade this pick, and and I just think it's so such a great position to be in because th- this is a franchise that could change their fortunes pretty fast because they've got that quarterback. They've got a guy you can rely on, and for fantasy numbers, if he can, can continue like he did in that second half of the season, fields you, you can't ignore. Oh, no, he's, uh, he's definitely within my top 10 quarterbacks for the season. Um, he might. He might even be in my top 10. We'll find out later. <laughs> we'll find out later. <laughs> Stay um, tuned for future episodes. <laughs> but I, I I, didn't expect them to get a player of DJ Moore's caliber plus everything else that they got. So I was a little surprised, but I guess how well they did in selling that pick. Um, but DJ Moore should easily improve Justin Fields' ability to throw because he has that elite wide receiver now. Because DJ Moore does have the ability to be elite. We've just never seen him with a competent quarterback in Carolina, unfortunately. Um, but they also got the ninth overall pick, a second round for our second round pick, sorry, a first round pick in the 2024 draft, and a second round pick in the 2025 draft. So they got a haul for that first overall pick, and I think they can easily use that to help improve their the holes in the rest of their team. But that's not all that they've done so far because they also signed Rob, tight end Robert Tunyon. So between DJ Moore and Robert Tunyon coming over, I think that puts a pretty big dent in Cole Komet's fantasy value. Uh, not so much Robert Tunyon, but definitely DJ Moore, because I think he's going to become uh, Justin Fields' go-to guy rather than Cole Komet. And Robert Tunyon is just going to siphon away some of those tight end targets for uh, for Komet, unfortunately. So yeah, I think he's, yeah. he's going to take a bit of a, a dip in terms of fantasy value. Um, probably still going to be reliable because I think the Bears are going to have a strong offense, mm-hmm. uh, at, least for, at least for fantasy. And, uh, but it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to, I guess, who the Bears value more, Robert Tunyon or Cole Komet, right? Yeah, and they'll probably use them both a bit at the beginning. Like we see that happen sometimes where you, you have a dual position and at the beginning of the year, both are utilized, so it's kind of up in the air who you're going to stick with. But then one emerges as as the player, and unfortunately, you might get stuck with the person who ends up getting less and less usage as, as the season goes on. Like that's yeah, and and if that's the case, just just bail out because, like we saw this past season, and what we usually see every season is that the tight end market is a hellhole, 
And unless you have one of those top four guys, you're you're switching guys almost weekly. So yeah, don't, and these don't hold on moves, to someone. These kind of moves don't help. Like where like Gasecki going to a team that already has an established one, Tanya going into a situation with Kmet's there, like that. That doesn't Tanya. So Tanya. 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 Sorry. <laughs> Tanya. <laughs> Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding. Robert uh, Tanya Harding. Was, how, how long was he with nipples, you know? He was with nipples for a few years, so yeah, that's correct. very possible. So, I'm sorry, he's Tanya Harding from now on. Robert Tanya Harding. Very good. All right. That's his name on this podcast. <laughs> well, we'll see how much we talk about Tanya Harding in the future. Probably not much. <laughs> not Probably. as much as we talk about nipples, I'll tell you. Def- definitely not, no. <laughs> not just for the ratings. We don't. We don't just do that for the ratings. No, no, you just do that because of your hatred. Uh, but uh, running back Dante Foreman was also signed by the Bears. So I, I think he's going to be the backup to Khalil Herbert because Khalil Herbert showed when David Montgomery was out that he has what it takes to be their guy. Yeah. It, it just puts a bit of a, a damper on him because uh, I think that maybe Foreman might end up being the goal line back just because of his style of running. Um, he's a veteran. He's a bigger guy than Khalil Herbert, I believe. So it could just take away some goal line work from Khalil Herbert, unfortunately. But I think Khalil Herbert's still probably going to be the main guy for the Bears and could have a pretty good fantasy season. Uh, Derek Henry and DeAndre Hopkins were both listed as potentially being on the trade block. And there was a report that the Patriots were interested in DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if that would still... I have seen that Hopkins is trying to work things out with Cardinals and the Patriots signed Juju Smith-Schuster. So maybe that, maybe Hopkins ends up staying with the Cardinals. But the Derrick Henry news is is interesting. And Austin Eckler, um, I can't remember if he was given permission or requested permission for a trade from the, uh, the Chargers. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, so hang on, I'm just going to quickly look it up if he was given permission or just was trying to get it. Yeah, so he's been given permission from the Chargers to speak with other teams after a trade because they were unable to basically come to a deal on a contract extension for him. So, I think that's a big mistake. Oh, I think so too. But I think it's... I think it might just be Eckler and his agent uh, putting some pressure on the Chargers and basically saying like, look, I'm going to get a better deal because I, I know someone will give it to me. Um, so it's a great negotiating tactic. I think it's a terrible mistake if the Chargers let him leave. And I think it puts them on the back foot in terms of the negotiations. But great move for Eckler because if he goes to a different team, especially if it's someone who's going to use him a lot more than, or I guess use him the way that the Chargers finally started using him towards the end of the season, uh, which I was mad about for a large portion of last season. Uh, <laughs> If, if he can get to a team where they're willing to use him the way that the Chargers ended up doing it, then that's perfect for him for fantasy and everything. And the only loser in this is going to be the Chargers. So we'll yeah. see what we'll see what they do and what offers go his way. I think it's ultimately just going to be a negotiation tactic. So I think it's just more smoke than fire. But we'll see. Um, Evan Engram was franchise tagged by the Jaguars. I expect that he'll probably get some sort of a deal from them after how well last season went. Um, I think they just are doing this to get a bit more time and sort it out and make sure that nobody else tried to pick him up because he was on a one-year deal with them last season. And the Texans 
lost their fifth round pick in the 2023 draft and were fined $175,000 for a salary cap reporting violation. So Mm. that stemmed from an undisclosed compensation uh, in the form of an alternative athletic facility membership to Deshaun Watson. So Deshaun Watson still causing problems for the Texans, even in the 2023 draft. And Calvin Ridley has been reinstated to, by the NFL and is able to play for Jacksonville for the season. So he is going to be extremely interesting to watch because it's kind of a situation with Sean Watson. You know, who? what Calvin Ridley are we getting back? Are we getting the guy who was a top, I think, top three, top four wide receiver in fantasy? Yeah. Um, or is he going to be a shadow of himself? But if uh, Trevor Lawrence gets the elite version of Calvin Ridley back, that is going to be an insane boost for this Jacksonville offense. And you're going to want, like Trevor Lawrence could easily be a top top three quarterback, I think, if Calvin Ridley comes in and, and is the elite guy that we've seen him be. Um, especially with the running game that they've established. They have Evan Ingram as a competent pass catcher. Christian Kirk, like eh, the Jacksonville offense could be deadly this year if Calvin Ridley hits the ground running. Oh, if he does, and he even is, you know, 75% of what he was, then their offense could be unstoppable. Like, they had such a great year without him. Um, I just, I question that. That's a long time to be off of football. It doesn't matter how much you practice. It's hard to get up to game speed. Yeah, it is. And unfortunately, we're not going to know until the season starts. So that's going to be kind of like the Thielen situation. You know, what do you believe the path is going to be for Damian, uh, for, for Calvin Ridley? So you're going to have to call your shot and live with it one way or the other. You're either going to be extremely right or extremely wrong. So that's the gamble you're going to have to take, unfortunately. And unfortunately, we are out of time. So that is all the news that we were able to get through this week. Um, We'll be back next week. Probably going to do our quarterback ranking episode next week. Uh, You can reach out to us with any fan questions you have on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can go to conqueredraft.com and fill out the... Uh, mailer form on our website on the podcast page or you can email us directly at contact at conqueryourdraft.com take care everybody stay safe